One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He's tough. I'm Matt Riddle. I fought all around the world in steel cages, knocking people out and breaking bones. It's what I do. So again, do you want me to knock them out or tap them out? August 1 warning, identity revealed as the MMA legend Tito Ortiz. Hello there, folks. Welcome to We Don't Know Wrestling. I am your host, Sam, and we are back with another edition of the Desert on Cop series. This week, joining me, longtime friend of the show, uh, a former co-host of the show, we have a whole award season named after him, uh, Tanner. Tanner, how are you doing? I'm doing well. That was a great introduction. Probably the best introduction I've ever had on this podcast. Yes. I try. I try. Yeah. You know, I really... Well, you, you take a couple of weeks off now, so you have time to prepare your material, so I get it. I got a whole doc right now with numbers, sub-bullets. Uh, it's really something special. Um, I, think well, I feel be... like maybe I should also have that doc, but it's fine. Ah, you gave me your doc, <laughs> and I was like, that's bad. You should have done better, Tanner. And then I the redid it. and three other things, and I, I sent them. Yeah, you did, but it was... I don't know how you thought anyone could read that and discern what you were talking about. Yeah, so I, 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 think's bad. I can share it with you, but I predated it up. Uh, but welcome. You are one of the hosts of the All You Can Hear podcast, which is a, I don't know quite how to describe it. Could you, could you do me that honor? Uh, um, it's, uh, it's a podcast uh, about oh, everything, even though we kind of don't know anything. It's the best way to, I mean, we're five friends that uh, like to talk. And then we talk about different stuff every week. We do taste tests. We talk about random things here, random things there. It's just kind of whatever we're feeling. Uh, much more organized on the inside of the operation than we let on on the podcast. Believe you me. But, uh, yeah, that's what the podcast is. For, uh, in, a, in a nutshell, uh, we have 60 episodes out currently. There's probably something there that you'll end up liking. Did you say 60? 55 uh, numbered episodes and five non-canons. That, so, yeah, six, 60 episodes of content. That is mightily impressive. Yeah, we've actually uploaded we, – we have never missed a week. And, again, those weeks that non-canons have come out, we've uploaded two that week. So I'm proud of the output in the first uh, year and two weeks of the podcast. I, I'm on year like – we're on year like three, I believe. Oh, God. Yeah, because uh, the Wazim cast started May 2015. That's correct. That's you, correct. You missed the you missed the proper anniversary because it was before this. Well, I would did an episode with Skyler, and I'm not sure if you listened, but I said it's I a year and the day after of that anniversary. Uh, well, I did listen. I just, I mean, Skyler wasn't on the first episode of the Wazim cast. I don't know why I was not contacted. I to... contacted you, and you said, "Oh, I didn't know you meant today." Oh, yeah, because so, I was like, yeah, I'll down to do the podcast. You were like, oh, the 7.30 tonight work? I'm like, no. So we're on episode 83 now. Welcome to episode 83 of We Don't Wow, Wrestling. I'll see you again at 100. Yeah, yeah. It's going to happen this year, I think. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it That's happen. That's almost a podcast a week for the – because what? There's, uh, there's about 30-something weeks left of the year, right? Yeah. Yeah, a little over 25, 27, 27. I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't know. 
There's that's 52 what, weeks of, in a year, Tanner. Yeah, I've re- 52 weeks in a year, which means July to December has 26. Oh, because this is the May. fifth month. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So that seems, that's more accurate. That math makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Uh, welcome to We Don't Know Calendars. Uh, it's that very hip. very niche podcast. Super some, niche. Could, some would say more niche than this is currently. Which is impressive. Uh, yeah. So, yes. Um Episode A three. I think I'm gonna hit hundred this year. I'm hoping to hit hundred just for the always buried Tanners four. Right. Interested in how that's gonna work out this year. I don't know. I don't know, Tanner. <laughs> There's a lot going on. Um hopefully wrestling what Twitter just implodes by then and then no one needs to make a choice. It's just you. It's just me. <laughs> I make it's not a democracy, it's monarchy. Um yeah. That's how that's how you always saw the award shows going, anyways. Yes, I can still bury you while yeah, giving sure. out the proper awards yeah. to the. I deserving. was buried on the podcast where Skyler was here, so I don't know why you couldn't bury me if I wasn't there again. Zinger. <laughs> <laughs> um, you also do a wrestling podcast still, though. I do actually, yeah. Which is the ultimate slap in the face. I hear you. I hear you. Well, um. It's- different circumstances now if you've noticed with mine and tim's match of the week club podcast which you can find on the places to be nation podcasting uh network uh it doesn't go two to three hours every week it's only 30 minutes <laughs> it's a it's a doozy sometimes we even record two at the same time wow that seems like a heck of a heck of an evening potentially an afternoon well, yeah usually at like noon it rules what are you doing with your life Nothing. I'm out of class right now. I'm uh, I'm not hired at any institution currently, so go go work at your local mini mart. Get a we, get that side Sam, hustle going. We don't have a local mini mart anymore. <laughs> what do you mean you don't have a local mini mart? Well, we have a we have a Dollar General. We have exactly. A Dollar General. But, do that. Uh, I'm, I'm tutoring math. Funnily enough, so that's what I'm doing. There's just no school right now for math to be tutored in. Huh. Well. Well, there you go. Tell me more about this uh, match that we club. Uh, we so t- uh, Tim Livingston and I, um, we essentially uh, pick a match a week. We do kind of a deep dive on it. The uh, Tim kind of brings the historical, like this is kind of what the buzz was on the internet and in the forums and stuff. And this is how like the tape traders saw it and stuff. He contextualizes we- it. Huh? He contextualizes the match in his yeah, time period. Yeah, it kind of gives it a little bit more context. And I, on the other hand, just say, man, there was a lot of good kicks in this match. It rules. Go watch it. And that's pretty much the whole 30 minutes. Uh, so the episode we had dropped uh, last. I'm, I'm getting days confused. Like, we've done PCO versus Walter, like, for a recent match. But we've also have went all the way back to, like, 93 we've done a lot of matches in the 90s and we're both huge prime noah marks so we i think we've already done two matches from noah in our first 14 episodes so yeah bunch of stuff but uh it's cool so go go check that out too well there you go go i'm just gonna plug stuff i'm doing (laughs) that's what the whole beginning portion of this podcast series is about tanner i just want to know what you're doing in your life okay you don't talk to me anymore I do. We actually still talk quite a bit. That's fair. That's fair. We are in multiple DM groups together and Slack. I don't know. Wherever I go, wherever I get invited, boom, Sam DiMaggio is right there to find me. I, I'm reverse uh, reverse stalking you. 
Um, yeah, kind of, because I just kind of end up in the place you're at. Yeah, you just happen to to come there after I've been there for a little bit. I get yeah. it. I get yeah. it. We're in a DM group with Rusev. Man, I think Rusev left us. I I pray for the day he answers. You know what? I he, Screw Freddie Ahai. <laughs> he was cordially invited to a wonderful DM group where we would have sung his praises as he was crossing the deep blue sea uh, to go wrestle in the UK. But no, no. He said, oh, I thought it was spam. Well, to be fair. Get out of there. Get out of there, Fred. Well, I don't even remember what the group was called at the time, but I could kind of buy it. You know what? We don't know Wrestling 100, 2018, Mr. Iguana above Freddy Hi. Sorry about it. <laughs> okay. AIW, promotion of the year. <laughs> Let's not go that a... far. Um, I might want to edit that one out. <laughs> um, they, oh, goodness. Uh, Hill versus Eddie Kingston looks very good. It does look uh, really good. But also Nova Pro is running Nick Gage versus uh, PCO, which is the uh, the uh, original. The that's the good shit. That's the good shit. The boy has done good. Yeah, yeah. The boy has done good. Oh, cool! Kotaku just released the best PS2 games. Um, oh, well, so... <laughs> thank God. Thank God they came up with that hot content. Uh, <laughs> so, are you ready to get going? Are you ready to start this list off? We got ten yeah, matches. I'm ready. Two vignettes, one promo. Yeah. I got a question for you because we didn't talk about this beforehand. Probably should have didn't. We're here now. Do you want to start with your vignettes and promos or do you want to Do you want to have that as a little little dessert? I think that would be the dessert. Okay. I mean, I had it at the bottom for a reason. Because at I first did. I was like, I'm not going to send Sam any vignettes or any promos. And then I was like, shit, I just thought of three right now. And then I, boom, boom, boom. You, got, uh, you have a selection. I don't know yeah. how. We'll get to it. Um, <laughs> it could have been worse. Could have been better. Well, uh, <laughs> um, well then, without further ado, let's start off with your number one. These are not ranked. No, let's start in chronological order. Did not catch that. This makes sense. Uh, <laughs> let's start off with your first match on your Desert Island comp. Oh, look! Yeah, look right there. And the the camera, the camera. Goes right through, and there, there was. They stayed right with this classic match. Mr. Ernesto was using a bathroom. Let's just say it as simple well, as Tom that. Tom Ernesto's been known to be in a lot of bathrooms before, you know. Well, we, that's we, the way Tom Ernesto is. Uh, my first match, it's probably a weird match. I'm sure if you're listening to this and you actually know my wrestling taste, you're probably going to be fairly blown away by the matches I've selected just because it's it seems very different than my normal taste, I think. I don't know. It may not. But my first match on this list is Carlos Colon and Abdullah the Butcher versus Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen from uh, WWC 1984, Puerto Rico. It's, I, it's So, Sam, how, how do you kind of want to lay this out? Do you do you want to ask questions? you want me to just tell you what it is, tell, tell you what I like about it? How do you want to do just this? Just give me a quick, quick question. Have you ever listened to this, the Desert Island Cop series before? I've listened, yeah. Yeah, well, you know that I introduced the matches. This hurts. This hurts. You uh, said you wanted me to say it. No. No. Uh, well, I introduced the first one. You can introduce the last nine. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. How else am I, I supposed same, to mispronounce I'm... names up and down? I I used to – well, those were the easy Ilias. ones. I, I left you all the 
all the all the old ones. All right, well, you do you, Sam. This is your podcast. Well, you do you. You tell me why you picked this match. I want to know. I want to know all about it. Okay, so the uh, let me give a little context with the match. So in wrestling canon in 1984, Abdullah the Butcher and Carlos Colon hated each other. They were like, "We hate you. I hate you." Uh, they've had they had bloody bra- uh, brawls all around Puerto Rico, but also Carlos Colon was feuding with Stan Hansen. The Butcher feud took place a couple of years prior to '84. The Colon, though, at the time was feuding with uh, Hansen in a probably the I would say the most highly regarded Puerto Rico stuff. Would you agree with that, Sam? The Hansen Colon stuff. That seems fair. That based, seems, it seems like a fair assessment. Based on the forum little... buzz. Yeah. Um. So they were feuding, and Hansen had bought in Brody to essentially beat the hell out of Cologne with, and it essentially came down to Carlos Cologne needed a tag partner that could match the the power of Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody, and thus Abdullah the Butcher comes in, and they have this match. It's not really a match; it's more like a, a concession stand brawl, street fri- uh, street fight. It and if you look this video, up, if you look this up on the YouTube, mm-hmm. um. I do enjoy how Carlos Colon is essentially handing Abdullah some fat stacks. Yeah. Um, as Abdullah looks like he is definitely running a a drug drug business. Absolutely. Sorts. So that's good. Which it was eighty four. Who knows what was happening? Absolutely, absolutely. But, so they essentially have like this huge bloody brawl all around the uh, the venue, which is a baseball stadium, and like. People are getting heads done. There's some swirly action going on. Like, uh, there's fights in the bathroom, fights near the concession stand, the hallways. I mean, just everywhere. And there's just, it's a very unsanitary match. Just because, like, it's an outdoor baseball venue in, like, the early 80s. And it's it's just a very dirty match. But I love it. So. Yeah, the venue. I don't know what the venue is actually called. I probably should have looked that up. I failed miserably here. Um, but is one of the most unique and neat venues out there. Um, it just feels so massive. Yeah. And it's cool too, because they were, I mean, it's a pretty big crowd. I don't know if it's a sellout, but it's a pretty big crowd for this. And the, the only thing I don't like about this match, and it has nothing to do with the actual match itself, is that we don't have a specific date for the match i don't really know where in the context of the stan hansen cologne feud it lands because the only thing attached to it is the year which is 1984 so i kind of wish like i had the context of well where in their feud does this exactly take place so that that's my one critique of the match so just slip into our dms real quick let us know if you were there and in that on that faithful day in 1984, watching this match, and you remember the day, you still have your ticket stub, hit us up. Or if you just happen to be a Puerto Rican wrestling historian, I'm here for that. I'm here yeah. for that. You can do that too. Well, all right. Do you have anything more you would like to add? Otherwise, we can get moving. I mean, this, this match is a great standalone. I think you get even more from the match if you have the history of uh, Carlos Colon and Abdullah the Butcher and also the Carlos Colon and Stan Hansen stuff. So 
But I, I think in a bubble, it works out great. Cause I'm pretty sure I'll watch this match for the first time without seeing any of that other stuff. But yeah, I'd say definitely check it out. I mean, it's, if you like just wild brawls that are just like super overworked, then this is for you. Well, all right then. Moving on to your number two match on the Desert Island Comp. July 24th, 1989, from uh, the uh, Hakata Star Lanes in Fukuoka, Fukuoka Japan, uh, Masakatsu Funaki versus Tatsuya Nakano. Tanner, why is this on your Desert Island Cop? This, to me, is probably the best sub-10 minute match ever. It's a bull claim. It- it is a bold claim, and I think it's kind of a. I think it has started getting play in the last eighteen months to two years, but I think it used to not get a lot of play. This match is ferocious. I mean, this is so Nakan. If you don't background Masakatsu Funaki, one of the guys that uh, helped start Pancrase, you know, certifiable badass. This is before all that. This is when he's still just a pro wrestler. Uh, he's about four years into his career. Uh, Tatsuya Nakano, though, is like the fat shoot-style jobber, which honestly sounds like the best job. Hmm. And and he gets jobbed pretty hard here. I mean, Funaki just literally beats the... Sh- I mean, if you like kicks and palm strikes, like this isn't a difficult match to understand by any means, but if you like kicks and palm strikes and bloody noses, this is the match for you, because Funaki just absolutely fucks Nakano up with kicks and palm strikes. And I'm I'm a huge mark for palm strikes in my professional wrestling anyway. Same, I don't know where you weigh in on that. I like them. But, yeah, I mean, ha- if you don't like a, a palm strike from, a, you know, a small guy or some sumo-style strikes from a, from a bigger lad, then you're just missing out on the whole point of professional wrestling. But, I mean, this is... I mean, it's a total one-sided affair. Nakano gets a little bit of offense in, not really, though, and Funaki just absolutely destroys them, and it's glorious. So, would you, well, I guess we're probably going to answer this question, um, but how do you prefer your shoot style? Because um, there's definitely different approaches to yeah. it. Um, there's more grappling focus. There's more I'm going to cave your chest in focused. Um, where do you kind of stand on all that? I think this sounds like a real cop-out answer, but it kind of just depends on what mood I'm in. Because, like, there's some uh, hype stuff from PWFG 91, I believe. It's uh, There's a, two uh, Naoki Sano matches, one with Minoru Suzuki, the other one with Wayne, later to be known as Ken Shamrock. And I would say they're more grappling-focused, and they're both, like, 25-plus-minute matches. And I really, really like In fact, both or one of those matches almost made this list. But, uh, some, I mean, sometimes you just want something quick, something easy, something clean. And that's what this match is. And that's why I like the, the strikes more, especially if they're good-looking uh, or legit strikes. I tend to enjoy those more. So, and I, I think it takes I, – I don't know. I just like the grittiness of 
real strike fest. I don't, I mean, I don't like elbows and shit. Like, I like closed fist. I like palm strikes. I like kicks. So, I don't know. Kind of just depends what mood I'm in, though. Okay. Um, I have another question that I think is going to kind of come into play later. Um, but this is a, a, a shorter match. Um, do you think there's any, like, negatives to putting a shorter match on your desert island comp? I'm sending you to a deserted <laughs> island, Tanner. And you're working with about 15 minutes of footage maximum right now. Uh, the the first match is a little bit longer than that. But anyways, um, I've thought about that while compiling this list. And here's the thing. The wrestling cynic in me still lives. Uh, despite not watching that much professional wrestling anymore, surprisingly enough. But it's... I feel like I couldn't watch matches that were much longer than the matches on this list. In fact, looking at this list, uh, there's, I think, one match on here that goes over 20, I would say. Uh, that's about all I could handle in a in a desert island scenario. Just because I think, like... Because I was going to go the route of just picking like all like 30 or 45 minute matches. And I think if I did that, I would die much sooner than just watching these. Got it. Got it, got it, got you it. Know, you can't always have your, your 45 minute 1991 All Japan draws. Sometimes you got you to gotta differentiate a little bit. Understood. Understood. All right. That's number two. Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to add before we move on to number three? Uh, watch it. It's the what probably maybe the be- definitely the best sub ten minute match pre two thousand. So I'd say watch it. Um, and I can say for the vast majority of your list, a lot of it is rather easily accessible. Um, I would yeah, I think there's one match on here that you may have to go searching for. And I'll mention it when we get there, but the rest—I think all of these are on YouTube, actually. Matter Daily Motion, you're you're gonna be yeah. pretty covered. Yeah. Well, all right, let's move on to uh, number three. Yoshiaki Fujiwara versus Bart Vale from PWFG, March 20th, 1992, from the PWFG versus Shoe Fighting event, taking place at the James L. Knight International Center in Miami, Florida. <laughs> uh, is this the best match to ever take place in Miami, Florida? In the state of Florida, yes. The whole state. The whole state. Wow. <laughs> the whole state. Wow. Um... It God, it, it's so good. I feel like people don't talk about Bart Vale enough. Uh, I, like I don't know how much pro wrestling stuff he actually ended up doing. Uh, I've seen bit, I, like bits and pieces, but I've say, never. Tanner, I'm not sure if Bart Vale has the most extensive wrestling I, career. He doesn't. He doesn't. But God, like this is a guy. If he wanted to make the career, this is a guy uh, Inoki would have got behind. Two hundred and twelve percent. Like this guy would have been IWG champ 
three years. There would have been no down period, no Hiroshi Tanahashi needed. This is your guy if uh, if he decided to go the pro wrestling route. This match, however, not really pro wrestling at all. I mean, if you can tell by the name, it's literally Fujiwara's uh, shoot guys versus actual shoot guys. And, uh, I mean, it owns. It's pretty much the... I was trying to see how much wrestling Bart Vell had available. More than you would think. 36 matches worth. Um, which is definitely more than I would have guessed. But it's... Oh, my God. And a 30-minute draw with Funaki in 92. Holy shit. I would pay to watch that match. And he had another match with Fujiwara in 92. Holy shit. Okay. Anyways, it's... It's one of those things, though, like, this this match will probably be the most decisive match on this, or divisive, whatever. I don't know words. I tutor math, you heard me earlier. Anyways, um, it, it's just one of those matches you kind of have to be in a mood for. Like, I personally love it just because I'm a huge Fujiwara mark. I'll watch anything with Fujiwara in it and love it 100% of the time, literally 100% success rate. So it, this is just... Uh, I like it because the venue is really weird. Like it's uh the venue is essentially like an old school boxing arena, I guess is, would be the way I describe it. And like the ring is not really a proper pro wrestling ring. It's like more of a boxing ring. And I, I don't know, I just I just love the feel of the match really, which uh, I think you have to have if you're on a deserted island for sure. But uh yeah, I mean it, it I love it. Like it obviously not going to be for everybody, but I say go out of your way to watch it if you just want to see something weird and different in your pro wrestling. Um, I'd like to take a second uh, out of our day and talk about Bart Vale's MMA career. Uh, so he won his his debut uh, in 1995 at the World Combat Championship number one uh, against Mike. Betonio, no idea who that is. Not important. Um, then subsequently would lose his next fight in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1996, a year after his first match, uh, against Kazunari Murakami uh, in a shoot. And then in his final, his third and final MMA contest... Uh, he would lose in uh, Corinth, Mississippi uh, against Dan the Beast Severin. I mean, what a career, really, when you think about it. That's that's a five-year career. I mean, his last five matches, well, actual, he had a random shoot fight in 2011 uh, versus Joe DeFuria in a, in a casino in Miami. But, I mean, his last five actual wrestling matches... Uh, win over Yuki Ishikawa, lost to Joe Malenko, defeated Dasuke uh, Akita, lost to Fujiwara, and then defeated Takeshi Ono. So, I mean, he wrestled, like, the big names in, like, shoot wrestling. I mean, he wrestled Shamrock. He, I mean, he has multiple matches against Fujiwara, multiple, or matches against Suzuki, Sano, uh, multiple matches against uh, Yamazaki. So, even a match with uh, Akira Maeda in uh 1989 so i mean he he kind of did everything you can do with a shoot fighting career uh he was he trained at the tigers and dragon karate gym he was a 10th degree black belt in american kempo 
Um, and he was a David Acton Action Sports Diamond Belts holder. I don't even know what that means. I don't know either. It just sounds but also, very impressive. Get this. Also known as Bad Bart. Damn, that's a nickname. <laughs> man, the, man, everything was so much easier in the 90s. Um, like in, ter- in terms of wrestling. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, we I don't know if we properly described Bart Vale as a human. Um, but he rocks a mustache. Yeah. He rocks a mullet. Um, and in this match specifically, he's a goddamn American hero. I mean, yeah, because everybody hates Fujiwara because it's like, ah, uh, he's the the mean old foreigner. Even though Fujiwara has looked to be about 80 years old for the last mm, 40 years. So it's just like this frail old man in black underwear and boots. <laughs> it, it, it rules because, like, the crowd just hates him. I, I also want to point out that Bart Vale is described as a kickboxer first and foremost. He only had two kickboxing matches, fights. Uh, whatever you want to call him, lost both of them in under three minutes. Uh, but he did it so. in K1. So uh, <laughs> let's pump the brakes. <laughs> I love it. It's like, that's the thing you're going to be known for. And you lose both of them. Um, I think that's the part about this match that I like the most is that it's a shoot style match that is 100% um, Red-blooded American versus evil foreigner. Yeah, but it makes no sense because, again, just looking at Fujiwara, you're just like old man in black underwear. Nah, man. Nah, one, Fujiwara not wearing black underwear. He looks tight. Uh, his gear is shimmery. And he's rough and tumbling there with Bart. He's, he's... Oh, no, no. It, once the match actually gets going, it's like, oh, okay. Like, from the outside perspective of, I have no idea who this Japanese guy is. But, just looking at the match, you're like, well, how does Vale just not absolutely destroy this guy? No, Fujiwara would kick anybody's ass ever. I'm pretty sure Fujiwara could still go in uh, UFC. I think uh, Dana needs to give him a shot. Uh, Calling you up, Brock. (laughs) Fujiwara would absolutely... So, here's the thing, though. Legitimately... Fujiwara has much better cardio than 2018 Brock. 2018 Fujiwara has much better cardio than 2018 Brock. Yeah. I mean, no contest. Get him on the horn. Call him up. Bring him in. Get him up. I bet you can get Fujiwara for a lot cheaper than you can get Brock. Put him against the, the punker. That's a good fight. Fujiwara would probably beat Punk. In fact, I, I don't even know why I said probably. He would beat Punk. Tap that motherfucker out. Yeah, which and then Fujiwara would be all in. So I mean, it, it really works itself out. Good lord, we get Fujiwara back in New Japan. He takes the belt off Okada after a two-year reign. I mean, really perfect circle here. Taps out Billy Corgan. Ah, yeah. Ah. <laughs> he, he unifies the IWGP and the NWA championships. Tim Storm comes out of nowhere. <laughs> Man, what a match that'd be. Fujiwara versus Tim Storm. It is Tim summer Storm. break. It is summer break. Tim Storm's got time. He's uh, free. Time off. Yeah. He's not doing anything. He's just hanging out with his grandkids. Yeah, just hanging out with those grandkids. Well, all right. Oh, man. That's that's your third match. Let's move on to number four on your desert on cap.
this match takes place at FMW's 5th Anniversary Show on May 5th, 1994 from the Kawasaki Stadium. Uh, is Genshiro Tenru versus Atsushi Onita uh, in an exploding cage death match? Is, this, is that the proper title, Tanner? Exploding... Barbed wire cage death. Oh match. shit! I am so sorry. I am. <laughs> I don't know where my head was at. Um, we've uh. talked about this match quite a bit over. Well, definitely over the past couple of years. Um, yeah. You even did an episode. Correct me if I'm wrong. For match of the week. No, we did. It was our first, first episode, one. I believe. Yeah. yeah. There you go. There you go. I nailed it. I did my research. Um. But you've definitely talked this match up as being one of your your faves, so I was definitely not surprised to see this. Um, mm-hmm. But what really draws you to this? Put that in audio form for me, so I can release that as content. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I just love how brutally honest this show is. God, what what great banter. Um, so pretty. It's no secret that Tenru is my absolute number one favorite wrestler of all time. It is close now. I think Akiyama's closed that gap a bit with his uh, his pretty much grumpy run of the last couple of years. But Tenru, as still right now, my favorite wrestler ever. And this is just him doing something different. Like, So we don't have a lot of Ten. I, I don't know if a lot of people know this. We don't have a lot of Tenru footage from like 94, 95, 96, which a lot of people consider his prime years. So it's cool that, A, we even have this match. Just because, I mean, obviously this was a widely circulated tape, but it's just like, thank God he worked an event where uh, shit was being taped. Um, and it it's in, in my opinion, Kawasaki Stadium, probably my favorite venue in pro wrestling history outside of uh, Budokan. So, and uh, the AWE arena. <laughs> That's a joke for uh, everybody out there. But anyways, it's great venue. Great crowd. Obviously, Onita is God in FMW in Kawasaki Stadium. And Onita was pretty much just like, I fucking hate Tenru. If I don't beat him, I'm going to retire. And then classic Onita fashion loses the match, does not retire. It rules. the whole. It's a whole video on YouTube. You can get the, the pre-match, the match, and the post-match. And you really need to watch it as the full package to really just unwrap this whole thing just because it's so incredible so like oh god it's just i I get chills thinking about it just because of how like well done it is and how different it was from stuff in 94 or from a lot of stuff in wrestling even today but it's i mean definitely cutting edge stuff in 94 and the fact it comes from like a indie essentially is really cool uh indie that drew 52,000, so you know cody ain't got shit on onita but it's yeah. I mean, it's just it's cool to see Tenru do something different. It's cool to see Onita get to do his shtick with one of my all-time favorites. So I mean, I and again, I've talked about this match multiple, multiple times over various audio shows. So yeah. Now you're doing it here at the big. No, I'm doing it here for new content. I've probably talked about this match multiple times on this podcast. That's probably true. That's probably true. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't part of a serialized uh, content initiative. So really, was it worth a damn? 
No, I got to respect it. I got to respect the hustle of you just recycling content and calling it new and getting more numbers on it. I got to respect it. That's that's where they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> um, overall, what's your what's your thoughts on FMW? Um, outside of the major Onita matches, I mean. I I pr- uh, I don't know where a lot of people stand on it really, just because I was never a forum worker, and you know, F- you know, '90s FMW is not really the uh, the hot topic on wrestling Twitter nowadays. So I don't really know where a lot of people stand on it. I enjoy it. I mean, I enjoy it for what it is. I mean, if you don't like blood in your wrestling, you're not gonna like it. Even the smaller matches, you're not gonna like it. I love seeing like the rise of like Tanaka, who's also one of my all time favorites. Uh, like get his start in fmw i like mike awesome again i like onita i like the funk stuff hayabusa i mean there's a there's a ton of guys in the promotion i liked it's just i i probably haven't watched as much of it as a lot of people just because you know whatever but from what i've seen of fmw which i mean not underselling myself here by no means i've watched plenty but it's just I don't want people to be like, oh, have you not seen blah 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 versus blah 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 from 1993? Uh, Cork and probably not. But anyways, it's it it's good. It's the it's weird trash wrestling in but in a very good form that I like. Which is if I'm gonna watch trash wrestling, I want it to look like trash wrestling. I don't want it to be high def trash wrestling because that takes the the uh, grittiness off of it. But no, it, it, I mean it's good. I love it. All right, all right. Um, okay, I'm looking through your list. Um, and frankly, this is definitely the most cinematic match, the most um, pageantry of any yeah. of the matches here. I, I would argue this is probably the third most cinematic match you could have possibly put on any list of professional wrestling. Like, you can have your Okada Tanahashi wrist-holding moment, whatever, but if we're talking about pure cinematography and wrestling and cinematic moments in wrestling, Onita Tenru, I think, is one. Onita Funk, I think, is the, uh, another one. And Onita Great Sasuke, I think, is probably the greatest thing we'll get to a cinematic masterpiece we'll ever have in professional wrestling. Because, good lord, just the whole presentation of that match is just good god off the charts. Um, So bless Onita is what you're trying to say. Pretty much, yeah. Like I'm, for, I mean, I I think Onita is definitely one of the best of all time. Like not underselling. I mean, obviously, I think Tenru is the best of all time, but I think Onita is definitely like a top fifteen, twenty candidate if we were doing a GWE type scenario. Um, especially the way he he was able to, uh, you know, just rob CZW from right out under him. Then, uh, <laughs> I mean, you got a real worker. It. A real worker of the people. And the fact that he retired and then just started special guest refing all of the FMW main events and was pile driving people through tables still rules. I mean, ultimate carny move. So, I mean, you got to respect Onita's hustle. And uh, he was a carny pretty much as the moment he blew out his knee in all Japan. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I, I mean, just, just two all-timers here doing all-timer stuff. Okay, well, there you go. Best match number four. Let's move on to match number five. 
そして G1 参加スタートしてこの準決勝進出 Taking place、uh, August 2nd, 1998.、Uh, it is the G1 Climax semifinal from that year、uh, from Sumo Hall, Tokyo, Japan. It is Shinya Hashimoto versus Toshi Kojima. Tanner, why is this on your Desert Island comp? So, this is probably not the Hashimoto match people would have picked from the 98 G1. I figure a lot of people are probably diehard Hashimoto Tenru fans here. And you would definitely expect me to be one. But this match is literally the ultimate underdog story, I think, in professional wrestling. Like, this is what I love in professional wrestling. Because, I, I mean, I think even still in the year of, you know, 2018 and last year, Kojima has proven himself to still be like. A hell of a fiery baby face. And this is where we see like some very, I don't want to call them Kobashi isms because they're still quite different than Kobashi stuff. But it's like the fire up, like, oh, I'm going to try to, you know, wear you down with lariats and shit thing. But then you just have like this mammoth of a man named Shinya Hashimoto in front of you who doesn't give a shit about your offense and is just like, I'm going to get my shit in because I'm winning this, this whole thing. And it, it's, Just such a, like, the, a, just a great way that I like my squash matches. I wouldn't even call this a squash match per se, but it's, it's definitely a lopsided affair,、um, to put it lightly. And Hashimoto, instead of relying on his bigger stuff, I mean, he just plants Kojima with DDTs, like, most of the match, like, to the point where, like, The, the ringside doctors are like checking on Kojima's neck and his head because I mean, it's just like DDT, 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 DDT. And it's like a very simple formula, but it just works so well. And the, cra- and the crowd is unbelievably hot for it. So, I mean, it's it, probably my favorite New Japan match of the 90s, which is probably a very bold claim. The boldest. Uh, I stick with it for sure. And yeah, I mean, it, it's, a hell of a, it's a hell of a match. If you don't think Kojima did anything prior to, you know, whatever, you need to watch. Prior to Pride Club? Yeah. <laughs> If you only know Kojima for his Twitter account, watch this match from August 1998 and you come back and tell me different. And if you don't no. know about Kojima's Twitter account,、yeah. follow, follow his Twitter account. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody should be Bread Club. Everybody should be. It's so weird because even my friends that don't watch wrestling, like one of the only wrestling conversations we've ever had, they're like, who, this wrestler that has this Twitter account, it's just, it's just so good. And <laughs> like, really, I've had this conversation with multiple people. I'm like, oh, are you talking about Satoshi Kojima? Yeah, no, that's him. How'd you know? I'm like,、oh. <laughs> uh, I know a thing or two about Bread Club. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Hashimoto has this innate tendency to feel like there's undeniable force in、yeah. every match he's in. Despite not being the largest man on the planet, like, he doesn't have a physique that immediately shouts to me, oh,、um, I would not want to mess with that man. But then he just, the way he stands, the way he moves, everything has、mm-hmm. such a weight to it. It feels like,、yeah. oh, I, the earth is crumbling beneath his feet. I probably should move. Yeah.、Um, 
Yeah, because he was not like a super tall guy by any means. He was like five eleven. He, I mean, he was a bigger guy. Like he was two, probably two sixty, two seventy. Um, it's just one of those things though that like hit his. It's kind of like the Joe effect in a way. But I, I hate calling it the Joe effect because obviously Hashi, everything Hashimoto did just completely outweighs what Samoa Joe has done in his career. But it's 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 kind of like that. Like if Joe on the indies in the early 2000s is like Hashimoto during his entire New Japan and Zero One run. It's just like this force. Like it doesn't matter if he's not the tallest guy or the largest guy. He's still the most intimidating guy, and it's it, it that works in spades here because Kojima is definitely not the biggest guy, uh, and also has atrocious hair in this match. Oh uh, yeah, he looks but, like a total punk ass. Yeah, <laughs> total punk ass Kojima. <laughs> but uh, long live Bread Club. But the, a- absolutely go watch this. I don't like I, again. I don't really know the whole where a lot of people watch this. I imagine a lot of people that have watched, that have seen modern New Japan just probably haven't seen this match. I don't even know if it's on New Japan World. So I'm actually I actually don't think it is. I don't think a lot of Hashimoto stuff is on New Japan World, which is a shame, but uh definitely do yourself a favor, go find this one. It's very easily findable if you know where to look. So uh go watch it. Not long. It's like 12, 13, 14 minutes maybe. So not not a long match, but definitely one that you will thank yourself for watching. It's uh it's on the Daily Motion. Um, it's got the wrong date, but that's okay. Um, then because Taren also gave me the wrong date, so it's fine. Well, I, that's the date I have, so that must have been the date it aired. Because I wouldn't have given you the wrong date on purpose. Oh, and it was Pro Wrestling Only tells me it's the second, so I'm going with it. Uh, well. Um, well, all right, that's match number five. Let we're gonna keep this this train moving along. Let's Matt, chug it right along. マッチナンバー6。ゴイニハズステイコーというところかしてもらう。From uh, Yokohama Bunka Gymnasium. Um, I actually don't know how to pronounce this company's name. Is it G A E A or is it Gaia? It's Gaia. I, 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 I hope just that's right. It. God, I hope that's right. Man, just stuff with it. I'm pretty sure it's Gaia. Yeah. I'd ha- okay, I'm just gonna go ahead and out myself. I haven't seen a ton of Gaia, but. Everything I've seen rules, and I need to watch more of it. Okay, same go. All I know is I played God of War, and there's a uh, a goddess named named Gaia. She is. Oh, then the, it's probably Gaia then. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, from Yokohama Double Destiny, Battle of the Crush Gals, uh, it is Aja Kong versus Miko Satamora. Um, September fifteenth, nineteen ninety nine. Hit me with why this match from their incredible series of matches makes it on to Desert Island Cop Tanner. Because, so, so it's 99, so pretty much the story is Aja Kong, this huge, just unbeatable force, and then you have Sadamora, who still kind of wrestles like a, I don't want to say a jobber, but it's still definitely like young, like young lion is young, you know, whatever, uh, and it's one of those things 
that Aja Kong just beats the shit out of her. I mean, Aja Kong hits dives. Aja Kong just throws her. I mean, it's it's prime Aja Kong, and then like it's like the the first little glimpse of like really really great Sadamora, I think. And it, God, it's just I don't I I don't. It's weird to describe this match because I feel like for a lot of people that watch professional wrestling, Joji is especially a a rough patch for a lot of people just because a lot of people haven't seen it all. They don't know where to start. And I'm definitely not the person to be like, well, this is the Joji you need to watch. But this is one of the Joji matches if you're trying to get into it to watch just because it kind of gives you two of the more recognized, at least one of the more recognizable names in Joji with Satomura having, you know, have done multiple UK dates and US dates at this point. But then you also get to see like the just phenomenal nature of Aja Kong and why Aja Kong is one of the best professional wrestlers to ever walk God's green earth. And it's, I mean, it's, it's really cool just to watch this match and then go on and watch their, ser- their whole series and just see how it escalates. Cause there is stuff in this match that they even used in their latest match, 2015, 2016, one of those two years, but it's just, it's really cool to see. And it's just, and it's, I mean, it's a great match standalone. And that's why I chose it. Cause it doesn't go into the, uh, excess that I think some of the ladder matches do. It's, it's just pure, clean, simple. And that's why I like my professional wrestling. I'm going to admit to you right now. I haven't seen this match. Sam, I'm going to admit to you right now. Not surprised. Um, I did a Google search for this one. I had some difficulty. Um, let me try this one more time and see if I was just being lazy. I mean, I'm sure if you go looking around on some ditches, in some ditches, you'll be able to find this one outside your house. Oh, I think it's on Daily Motion. I think maybe it's probably on Daily Motion. I think so. Um, most all wrestling is on Daily Motion. Just people use the most idiotic search terms for them. So it's just like, so like this match on Daily Motion could definitely just be like Kong versus Sadamora, set one five nine nine, and there's just no tags. Um, Sadamora looks a whole lot different in 1989. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people also, which is weird, but I think a lot of people assume Sadamora is older than she actually is. Sadamora is only 38 years old. Okay, so in 99, well, she would have been 19. I mean, 38, that does not surprise me. But yeah. just, but her and Kong have been at this, this sport for a long time. Um, I mean, Sadamora has been wrestling since before I was born. So. And I'm 22. Good lord. So, Good lord. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Her, well, no, never mind. That's wrong math, and that also aged me. Okay, never mind. And those two women just set kind of a new standard for yeah. Joshi wrestling. Um. Not just because they produce great matches. Twenty years. Um. After this one. Um, but they're, it's a, the elder statesman role in Joshi is not a role that's been played very often based on its, the Joshi history. Um, and that's just really cool to see, uh, how they continue to be 
standard bearers for quality as well as uh, yeah. trend setting. Yeah, because Aja Kong is probably still one of the best brawlers in wrestling. And Satomura, I think, is one of the best wrestlers still like in the world today. And which is, again, kind of crazy for somebody you think about that's, you know, 23 years into a career. Um, it, it's cool to see that they they have. I mean, Sadamora especially hasn't slowed down at all. I mean, Aja Kong's obviously a little bit older than Sadamora, but Sadamora has just hasn't slowed down like at all. I mean, in fact, I think she's wrestling more now than ever because she's doing, I mean, multiple UK dates. I think she's done like six this year or something. She wrestled over WrestleMania weekend, was vastly underutilized because every US promoter that was in New Orleans is an idiot for not using her but yeah it i think she's just getting better and better to be honest well there you go that is this match congress said from 1999 uh do you have anything else you'd like to to add mm, i mean watch it everybody i, and I think they can go out saying for every match yeah go watch it yeah go watch it but Obviously, I think a lot of people needs to really like really do some research and try to watch some more Joji stuff just because it's such an under talked about point. I mean, especially in Twitter, like uh, like on Twitter, which is the forum nowadays, like if people want to admit it or not, it's a huge wrestling forum, right? At least our bubble is. But it it's definitely under talked about. And I think if people saw matches like this were happening in Joji in 99 like they'd be like, oh, okay, like this is some shit I can get into. And then you watch like some of the, like the, bloody brawls and stuff that were in Joji during this time. And I, I think a lot of people's eyes would be turned. And I and I think this would be heralded as like a great period for Joji wrestling, more widespread than it already is. And I think that's kind of what needs to happen at this point because i mean there's a there's a good chunk of stuff available if you're just willing to go out and search for it well i mean right now international women's wrestling continues to grow and grow yeah um really women's wrestling on a whole uh whether it be in wwe nxt whether it be on the indies with the making towns classic uh shimmer uh, vaguely tweeting that they may change the model um and actually release shows in a timely fashion well why would you do that um stardom is stardom i don't know i don't know um eve though uh over in the uk they're continue to grow um and continue to bring in uh folks like satamara to really give it um some and legitimacy kong. and kong yeah yeah uh, and now it's just continuing to get, become a stronger and stronger scene. Um, and yeah, I am really, I think we're really moving in a, a unique direction. Um, I'm not going to talk about it too much because I'm not super knowledgeable. Um, yeah. there are other folks that are very knowledgeable. Um, I'm, I will point to Alex, uh, at Noah's underscore savior. Um, yes. go follow her. She is, an incredible knowledgeable person. She has a podcast, um, which I forget the name of, um, which is, makes me a horrible person. Um, I'm going to look Sam it up. Also I, link it. I'll, I'll link it. 
See, I just don't want to pronounce it just because it's I never know how to pronounce it. Joshi Joshi Joshe. Yes. Spelled three different ways. Spells it three different ways. Yes. Um, yes, go go check first go check out our Twitter. That'll that'll direct you in the right directions. Yes. Put you on the right path. Um and then go from there. So yeah, there you go. Check check her Twitter out. Um far more knowledgeable than I'll, myself or Tanner will ever be. Um, Absolutely. That frankly, just has a better perspective than we'll ever have. Um, so there you go. That's match number six. Let's let's move on to your number seven match on your Desert Island Comp. Desert Island Comp. From Jersey All Pro Wrestling, uh, Bayonne, New Jersey, Charity Hall, from the event Smarts Only, taking place on June 7th, 2002. Brian Danielson versus Loki. Tell me about it, Tanner. I've never seen this match. We've discussed well, Sam, this. I also want to out you as you telling me you've never seen a Brian Danielson versus Loki match. Never. Which. which kind of surprises me just because how like in you are to especially indie wrestling like i'm just surprised like even curiosity has never gotten you at this point but also considering your bizarre taste in wrestling i kind of get it um but let me tell you a little something about this match this is the if you were to watch one brian danielson versus loki match this would be the match you would watch because this is without a shadow of a doubt the best shoot style match that's been in the United States since the year 2000. Pro- I mean, probably ever. I, I have no idea what the shoot style scene was in the U.S. pre 2000, but this is the best shoot style match in the U.S. post 2000. That's a claim. It, it is a claim. Probably true. Probably. I mean, I, I mean, you also have, just have to look at what shoot style has been in the U.S. Not a lot of it. Um. Uh, not not a lot of it. What we get usually pretty damn good, but this is a cut above the rest. This is a submissions only match, so there's there are strikes, but it's literally about twenty minutes of just pure grappling and young and Key and Danielson just trading holds. Like I don't know exactly how old they are here, but neither of them are too old because again, it's two thousand two. This is pre seminar low key. Um. I was trying to find out how old they were. So yeah, Loki would have been 22 when this match happened. And Danielson, I imagine, would have also been 20, 21, 22. Yeah, Danielson would have been 21 when this match happened. So it's just like two young guys like really laying in their strikes when they do hit them. And then like all their submissions just look nasty. Like they, they are some nasty looking holds in this match. Yeah, I, that doesn't surprise me. Um, I I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sad too, because this is in like a very small arena, even by like Jersey all pro 
uh, standards, there's maybe, maybe a hundred people in the crowd. It's a sold out crowd, but there's maybe a hundred of them and they really don't know how to react to the match. They like when there's strikes though, they, I mean, they're hot, but like, they just don't know how to react to the submission hold trading, which I, I guess I sort of get, but God, it, it this match is incredible. I wish Danielson was able to do more like weird shit like this, especially in like Jersey all pro. And that one weird promo, uh, Epic War, I think it was called, or maybe it was just called Epic. I wish he was able to do more weird stuff in those two promotions, because I enjoy a lot of that stuff more than his, like, Ring of Honor stuff from the early days. I mean, obviously the triple threat's still great, and the low-key match is still great, but, God, dude, like, this, like, Danielson was just tearing it up. Like this early, and, and don't not taking credit away from Loki because Loki was also incredible in this match. But good God, it, it's just it's crazy to see how good these two were just so early and so so young. Like I I couldn't imagine the scene what it'd be now if we had a Loki or a Danielson esque grappler that was this young and was getting to tear it up this early. Uh, I think that would, I mean, indie wrestling, don't get me wrong, definitely needs something like that. But it's, God, it's it's such a good match. Like, j just go out of your way and see it. It's on YouTube, I think. It may be unlisted, but you can find it um, if you Google the right things. It, it, you absolutely need to go see it because it's it, it's great. It's great. Um, I'm, I'm doing the, the search right now. I think I, yes, if you go on and just search Brian Anderson versus Low Key, JPW six slash seven slash O two Daily Motion. Boom. Oh wow. Right there. Detective Sam on it again. Again. A lot of this list you can just dig up online. It's fairly, fairly easy. Um yeah. I think it's we the difference between right now and then uh, the two early two thousand scene uh Right now, we do have some good grapplers out there. We do. Um, the difference is we don't have near-prodigy-type wrestlers. No. Um, Danielson and Key, they weren't just good grapplers. They were insane athletes. Yeah. Uh, to such a degree. It's absurd. Um, when you look at a King Justice, when you look at a Dominic Greeny, they're incredible grapplers, and they'll hit the map super hard, and they've had some real bangers themselves with each other. Um, but if you look at them, you're not going to think to yourself, peak athlete. Um, that's sure. just not who they are. It's wrestlers. I mean, the, the, I mean, also, like, you have Danielson hitting, like, these insane dives, and Loki was doing, like, Phoenix splashes to the outside in, like, 2001. And... You just don't get wrestlers that could pull that and like this incredible grappling off believably. Like I would kind of be thrown. Don't get me wrong, it would fucking rule. But I'd kind of be thrown off if Greeny got on the top rope and hit a Phoenix Splash to the outside, just because I'd be like, "Whoa, that looks unnatural. What what are you doing?" And if, I mean, Loki and Danielson were just really like one of a kind athletes that don't come along. A lot, especially in independent wrestling. Like, it's... The fact that these two came up together is just so great. I People need to appreciate that more. Because, God, they could have totally missed each other. Oh, we got lucky. Like, we yeah. yeah. 
Especially Daniel. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure this is some some a lot of people know. But when Danielson failed his first WWF tryout in like 2000, he said in the interview afterwards, he's like, oh, I'm probably just going to go back to college and become an English teacher. So, I mean, like we were uh, one wrong move away from missing like the greatest wrestler to ever walk on American soil, not named Terry Funk stuff. So it's just, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's incredibly lucky um this is probably the longest match maybe the longest match on your list Ooh, it's up it's up there yeah I, like i don't know the actual runtime of onita tenru just because i always watch the pre-match and post-match That's with fair. it but from bell to bell danielson key's probably the longest on here yeah uh yeah from a mass perspective probably has the most meat on its bones um yes Definitely, there's definitely a trend on your your list as far as this is not a super long match. This is less than twenty minutes. Um, it's also like the third. It's it's another shoot style esque matchup. Yeah. Third one of those um, intimate venue. Um, to uh, I'm gonna call them all time greats. You can call. Oh them yeah, one. absolutely. No, two all time greats. That's fair. Um, very cool. I'll never go watch this match. Don't got time for it. Um, <laughs> you're doing important stuff. You're, yeah, I mean, you're getting married. You ain't got time to watch 2002 Jersey All Pro. Yeah, I gotta watch. Just, just facts. I gotta watch. <laughs> you got 2010 CZW to catch up on. Why would exactly. you watch this? Exactly. Um, I got 2018 graphs to watch. I gotta go to the high, the award-winning High Spots Wrestling Network. Um. And the the comeback of of the powerbomb dot TV, um, <laughs> um, I'll I'll take wherever I get my wrestling. So that's match number seven. Do you want to add anything before we move on from Danielson versus Key? I mean, if you know what Danielson Key can produce, this is probably just the least herald match because it didn't happen in ROH or PWG or whatever. But go seek it out. It's very easy to find. It's well worth your time. Thank you. <laughs> Fair enough. Moving on to your eighth match on your Desert Island comp. This is a doozy. Um, it is. Uh, it's from Pro Wrestling Noah. Great Voyage 2004. It takes place on January 10th, 2004. Um, from Budokan. It is Junakiyama, Takeshi Morishima, uh, and Tsuyoshi Kikuchi versus Kenta Kabashi, Mikado Hashi, and Takeshi Rikio. Yes. I'm going to say I don't understand. Well, Gu- Guide me, Tanner. Let me guide you through it, Sam. So if you just looked at match listings for Re- for Noah, especially in 0304, there's a lot of really high six mans on paper the one i wanted to pull attention to was uh before getting into this match i think it provides context uh january 10th or excuse me october 5th 2003 kenta kobashi junakiyama and takeshi rikyo versus mitsuhara misawa akira tao and takeshi morishima and you may hear that match and go well hot damn how is that not just the best six-man tag to ever take place inside the green circle? Well, let me tell you how. That match takes place in just... The crowd's not dead, but it's a very quiet crowd. 
and I don't get it. It's I mean it's the venue the, that venue is always quiet, and it's just one of those things that kind of happens. This match, on the other hand, has all the talent of that match outside of there's no towel. Uh, because Masawa was already slowing down. It's weird that Masawa was slowing down before Akira Tao, but it's true. Like, no disputing. Uh, but you get very grumpy Kikuchi, Kikuchi teaming with Morishima and Akiyama, and then you get just, like, Makoto Hashi, who at the time was trying to prove himself to Akiyama as, I can do shit without you, I don't need you. It's essentially like rebelling teenage son uh, from dad sort of situation. And then also you have Kenta Kobashi, at the height of his powers, you know, almost a year into his GHC title reign. And then Takeshi Rikio, who is, you know, was the super rookie. So the the match itself is worked like the the whole match is worked like a finishing stretch of an all Japan six man tag. A very from the 90s, a very hyped one. Uh, just, you know, pl- plug them in. That That's what it was. And it also has like some w- Ah, two thousand twist. Like there's some, there's a few more dives. There's this weird thing that Noah tried. It's a camera inside of the turnbuckle, but it faces inside the ring, and they cut to that camera angle a lot. So like when guys would get like thrown into the uh, corners, like it would show the impact, and that to me I thought was really cool, just because I've never seen another promotion film from that perspective, uh, and that was cool. And then obviously. We we get some prime Kobashi Akiyama sections that are just incredible. Like everybody has a sub story in this match. So like Morishima and Rikio were tag partners at this time. Uh, Noah was already advertising the Jun Akiyama versus Kenta Kobashi match in the Tokyo Dome that would late, that would take place in July. They were already advertising that in January, which a super ballsy move on their part because God knows neither of them were 100% healthy. Um especially Kobashi, uh, Kobashi, who still had knee problems. And then you just had the two kind of wild cards with Kikuchi and Hashi, and it just makes for an incredible story. This, and I didn't want to say Danielson Key was the longest match on my list, because this match may end up being longer. I could be wrong. But I remember this match being fairly lengthy. It's 100 miles an hour, so it could not be that long at all. But I remember it being fairly long. Spoiler, haven't seen this match either. Um, it's a trails match. Of course. Personally, big fan of trails matches. Yeah, um, can't go wrong with it. You really can't. Well, it's the purest form of pro wrestling. That it is? I am 100% behind that statement. Um, I do find it interesting you have gone with a Japanese version of the trails match, not a Lucha version. Um, well, so, this match is better. Holy shit. Okay. <laughs> Okay, slow down, Tanner. Um, I get that it's pro wrestling, Noah. That's your baby. That's your promotion. Yeah, um, yeah that's. I mean, I, I, I don't like to go. Well, if you want to, if you want to know something about pro wrestling, Noah, from its inception to 2006, I'm your guy because I've seen 99 percent of the stuff that's on tape. Uh, and this is like the. Cr- this is the crown, well, not the crown jewel, but definitely like one of the hot points of the promotion. Like 2004 is probably the second best in ring year, maybe the first best, depending on how you view the Takayama and the Akiyama title matches. But hot damn, what a run! The the from literally Kobashi's whole title reign up until the Destiny 05 show, 
just an incredible run, probably the best two year, two and a half year run of a promotion ever. You know, whatever. You can tell me that. You can tell me there. All Japan had hotter periods. I don't believe you as somebody that's watched them, but uh, you can tell me it, and uh, I will respectfully listen and disagree with you. But it's. And this match, I just don't think gets talked about a lot because a lot of people just don't know what happened because it's really random. Because, like, again, Hashi and Akiyama were kind of like buds at the time. Morishima and Rikio were tag partners. Kakuchi kind of just did his own shit. And then Kobashi and Akiyama were feuding. Uh, we're in the midst of a essentially four year feud. So the whole first, from Noah's first show until the Tokyo Dome. Uh, defense against Akiyama, they feuded the whole time. I mean, obviously, Kobashi missed a year plus with his knee, but they feuded the whole time. Sternus and Burning were at war for four years in Noah. So it's it's cool that we get a match like this, which isn't because, I mean, Morishima and Kikuchi weren't in Sternus, Rikio and Hashi weren't in Burning. So it's kind of cool that we just got this match randomly uh, at the beginning of uh, the year. So, yeah. Um... Well, there you go. Kicks off 2004 in a, a big way. Um, yeah. Well, there you go. You need a trios match, I think. Every list should have a trios match. I agree. I, I, there, there was a part of me that after looking at my list, I'm like, damn, I wish I could have put on a few more tag and trio matches. But uh, I don't – I would feel wrong leaving out any of these matches on my list so far. Well, good. Good. That's the way it should be. That's the way yeah. it should be, because you're going to be watching these matches for the rest of your entire life. Um, yeah. So I, I need to know when I'm actually going to be put on this desert island, Sam, because I do have plans tomorrow. So I'd like to know um, when you're going to actually set me on the desert island to watch these matches. After your first Bloodborne stream, um, <laughs> okay. for all you okay. can hear, um, okay. your your podcast Twitch conglomerate. Mm-hmm. Um, Some would say twitch.tv slash all you can hear with a brand new redesign, uh, redesigned display some would say that some i don't know about <laughs> me i don't know about you but some. Yeah, uh, who knows this is, that's number eight that's number eight and your desert island comp we're gonna move on to number nine taking this fight all over the building here we go punk. Oh! power slam on the floor how do you power slam buddy so power slam somebody on their forehead I've never, I've he never, I've never seen such a thing. It is gonna be from IWA Mid South, something to prove, taking place in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, from the new Alhambra Sports and Entertainment Center. Some would call it the ECW Arena. Some would call it the Arena. Uh, some would call it the twenty three hundred Arena. Um, some would call it that. I don't know who. Uh, it takes place on June 11th, 2005. It is the one, the only, it is Samoa Joe versus the Necro Butcher. Talk I mean, it. how this needs to be on everybody's list. I don't even care what you like about professional wrestling. If this match isn't on your list, you're doing professional wrestling wrong. This is the. If you ask me right now, Tanner, best match of all time, I'd be hard-pressed not to point you in the direction of Samoa Joe versus Necro Butcher. It's, I mean, God, I, I mean, it's been talked about ad nauseum by everybody, and I by no means am going to add some crazy new idea to this match to make you critically think about it in a new perspective, because I'm just not that kind of guy. But 
it's Sam. First, I want to ask you, uh, do you, could you name me one other match that happened on this card? Not a single one. Okay, okay, that's what I thought. Do you, do Couldn't you want even me name to? you. Uh, sure, name me the 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 match that went on before this. Oh, you can't do that quick. I got I got at least ten seconds, at least twenty seconds, twenty okay. seconds. Wow, you're working with some good connection there. But it's, I mean, there's nothing to say about this match. It's it's the pinnacle of the sport. There's blood. There's closed fists. There's uh, Necro Butcher's been fucking over the Ring of Honor student story. It's it, it's phenomenal. It's fantastic. There, I mean, it's prime Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe in 2005, best wrestler in the world. No debate from anyone, I think. Uh, well, there probably is, but it's true. If you don't think so, you're wrong. Sorry. It's and it's it's just like, have you ever sat down and thought about Samoa Joe's, especially the second half of his or you know his whole 2005 as a whole? Because what a run! This month is a run. This I mean, month, this span in his 2005, career. yeah, maybe the greatest single um, month time frame of any wrestler ever. I mean, it's just like you got the butcher match, you got the the unbreakable three way, you got the destination X match with Styles. I think it might have been turning point. It's probably turning point. The December eleventh two thousand five match with Styles. You had the Kobashi match. You had the tag match with uh, with Kobashi. That's that's super great that nobody talks about, just because everybody talks about Joe Kobashi. But that match is equally as awesome. Or not equally, but near equally as awesome. I mean, it, I mean, he just put out bangers, and bangers after bangers after bangers. So I mean, th- th- I, again, I'm not going to add anything new to this match. It's Samoa Joe. It's Necro Butcher. Necro Butcher, probably the most uh, underrated professional wrestler to ever walk God's green earth, in my opinion. I'm throwing out a lot of weird, weirdly contested hot takes. Uh, but it's true. Samo- uh, Necro Butcher, great. The best punch in pro-, pro wrestling history. Jerry Lawler, eat your heart out because Necro Butcher is better. It's 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 so good. You, you just need to – and not to take anything away from Butcher. Butcher was on a hell of a two- or three-year run here in uh, from 02 to 05, like, and even into 06. Like, Butcher was – I mean – Probably not like wrestler of the year, surefire candidate, but definitely like a consistent top 25 guy in the world. And God, it's just so good. And also the commentary in the match, I think is like fun just from a historical perspective. So um, I like how you're coming out with all these hot takes. And frankly, they could all be conflicting. And I have no idea. Well, you know. Watch professional wrestling and you'll know then soon. Oh, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, the commentary is something extra because, uh, well, IWM itself released this and they it, it goes back to back in the video, uh, one with commentary, one without. Um, yeah, it's a completely different experience, I think, whichever way you choose to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, because with commentary, it is a few lads losing it uh along with you um the the ludicrousy of joe versus butcher as they're they're murking each other for the philadelphia fans enjoyment um 
it's kind of surreal. And also, I love the background of this match. I think Punk may be the one that says it. Uh, pretty much goes, the whole point of this match was uh, Ian Rotten saw it on a message board and he goes, you know what? I can book it. And then he booked it. That's good. Which, frankly, more promoters should do now. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. More promoters it. should just vanity search wrestler's name on Twitter, see the dream matches, book them. Nobody cares about your stories in 2018. Nobody just, gives a shit. Okay. We just want good in-ring stuff. Promoters. <laughs> You're going to want to search a little hashtag on Twitter called hashtag matches in 18. <laughs> um, Bring in Dragon Lee, damn it. We got some boys that are really uh, really producing some great tweets uh, and great recommendations that will They'll make your promotion money. Um, yeah. Well, may not money, um, but they'll earn some real street cred. That's what you want. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what, what you everybody want. wants. No, listen here, if you're if you're getting in the game of running uh, a wrestling company, you're not in it for money. You want the street cred. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and to answer your question, the match prior to this was Jimmy Jacobs versus Eric Kinn versus Chris Hero versus Danny Daniels in a gauntlet match. You know, that was probably actually fairly good. I don't know. It was 15 minutes long. Uh, who could say? 15? 15. Oh, okay. At first, I thought you might have said 50, and I was like, fuck all of that. No. No. There there also is a six-way elimination tables match on uh, on this card. So that sounds ferocious. And that goes yeah. 27 minutes. Oh, my God. <laughs> You had to wait for your Joe Butcher, but damn, you were going to appreciate it when you got it. Yeah, that's a real experience to get yeah. to get there. I like it. I like it. Well, all right, that's match number nine. Do you have anything more to add to this match? I mean, again, I'm not adding any, you know, hard-hitting new news over Joe Butcher. Just, if you haven't watched it and you've made it this far in the podcast, shame on you. But even if you've watched it, go rewatch it. I... You, I rewatch this match probably once a month, and this is the match I show my non wrestling friends. Like they're like, oh, if, or, or show show us what you got, and then you show them this, and they're like, oh shit, that's what. Okay, so yeah, that's what I do. Again, it's on YouTube. It's up there legitimately. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, a no commentary and a commentary version. Feel like you would do yourself a favor if you watch both, because I think both, like Sam said, are vastly different experiences. Um, absolutely. Go do that. Highly recommended. Let's move on to your 10th and final match on your Desert Island Comp. Never before in my career in WWE have I witnessed a matchup as punishing, as torturous, as grueling, as vicious as what we just witnessed here tonight. It takes place at the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois. It is from April 29th, 2012, from WWE's Extreme Rules. It is John Cena versus Brock Lesnar. Tanner, why did this make your desert island comp? (sighs) I'm going to be honest. I didn't expect there to only be one match from the 2010s on this list. In fact, there was two other matches from the 2010s I very, very much wanted to add on this list. I wish I could have expanded it to 12 and just been just pulled a total dick move on you, but I didn't. But I think 
when talking about 2010s wrestling, especially we're six years removed from this match. I don't know if there's been a match this decade that's been better. Just from what I want in my pro wrestling, I'm sure from a more traditional pro wrestling approach, there there has been. But when I think match of the decade candidates, this is the first match I think of. And I can I can see this match pretty much frame by frame in my head how it was played out. And I'm not going to sit here and just go move by move for you because nobody wants that. I want it. <laughs> nobody wants that. I want the content. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, we can we can do like a bonus commentary for the match for this match. Thank you. After the after the podcast. Um I'll just do it exclusively for you or you could secretly record me and put it in the vault with the Wazim interview. Just whatever you want to do. And I really saw it once. <laughs> You've only seen this match once? No, I released that all at once. Also probably. What um. <laughs> God, it's it it's it's great. I feel like even if you're not like a hardcore fed guy, like you've probably seen this match just based on the praise for it. And it's kind of weird too because I feel like in 2012 they were kind of going in the direction of, oh, John lost his smile. That's sad. And then a month later he beats Brock. And I guess it kind of fell in their lap like that. But the whole match has worked like Brock Lesnar is a legitimate – homicidal maniac and he is going to kill big match john here and like i mean there's i mean god cena gets legitimately busted open there's i mean it's it's a mall it's a mauling we have never seen take place on john cena up to this point in his career at this point in his career he was you know 10 years in so it's it's ferocious i mean I, i don't really even know how to describe it really i mean if i mean if you're not a regular wbe watcher i don't think you're going to appreciate it as much as somebody that was and this was probably the height of my wwe fandom from like 2012 to 2015 and it's it's just one of those things you just gotta yeah i don't say you needed to watch it in the moment because you can watch it now and think it's one of the best matches ever and i wouldn't doubt you but it's God, there's just so much good shit here. There's a great pull-apart brawl a couple of weeks before this match between Cena and Lesnar that's just, like, out of this world. This is before Brock got gassed in 11 seconds. I mean, it's it's so good. It's, oh, God, it's it's phenomenal. I would be surprised if I, if there, if somebody runs a match of the decade 100 or if Sam decides to do that with the We Don't Know Wrestling brand, um... I would be hard-pressed to find another match I'd put above this one. I have a great brand, so I'll definitely be thinking about doing that at some point. Oh. Um, this match is is visceral. Um, it's mm-hmm. surreal. It's like... Talk you... about cinematic from earlier. Absolutely. Pretty cinematic. And like you said, I'm not sure you need the extra context or whatever to really grasp this match and really appreciate it, but I think... Um, it definitely adds a new lens to it. Um, if you've been following John Cena's career at all, or or you just at least understand where he's coming from in this match, um, as someone that was watching the product and uh, 
kind of know the John Cena character and see him come into this um, and treated so differently in this match um, structurally um, versus the matches you're so used to seeing Cena in. Uh, it's a whirlwind. Um, even compared to now, I guess it would be a whirlwind to kind of reverse back and be like, oh my goodness, this happened? Uh, it, yeah, it's very different from pretty much every major match WWE has put on this decade, too, which I think is why, part of the reason it sticks out to me so much. It's just because it's so much different than even to WWE stuff. And it holds up. Um, I don't think that's I can say that about the Suplex City or whatever match. Um, was it SummerSlam? John Cena versus Brock? Um, where it's yeah. just a whole bunch of Germans. Yep. Um, yeah. It's a squash. That match is a squash. Yeah, I think it's I don't think it's as it's not nearly as gripping. Um, no, it's definitely shocking, surprising, throws yeah. you for a significant loop. But this match still has all the elements of fantastic pro wrestling. Um, it just has the added layer of never seeing Cena in this environment before, mm-hmm. and, and blood, blood, and blood. Blood never hurts, um, and you never really see Cena in this environment again. Um, he's had bloody matches before this. Um, yeah. Lesnar, this is his return match. This is yeah. where we see former UFC champion, um, a real a real fighter. Yeah, um, this is a different Brock. I mean, this is the yeah, first time absolutely. we see UFC Brock uh, essentially. So nobody really knew what to expect. Obviously, uh, and I wasn't around for the first Lesnar run. Uh, I know he's the, that first Lesnar run is heralded as all time great now, but uh, you know I don't have the context of how it was heralded in two thousand two, oh three, oh four. But this is like everybody knew who Brock Lesnar was at this point. Even me, who had been watching for five years at this point, I knew who Brock Lesnar was, even though I had never seen him wrestle live, uh, like on television. So it's one of those like I, I don't really not I don't want to say generational gap thing because that's definitely not the right word for it. But one of those, like, only pro wrestling could deliver a moment like this, and it delivers in spades. Absolutely. Yeah. Fair enough. There we go. One of the best matches of the decade. Absolutely. Do you have anything more you'd like to add? I mean, go watch it now, because I feel like a lot of people at the time was kind of disappointed with it with a fairly flat finish. I think the finish works, um, especially for the Brock stuff. And especially given how Brock has lost since he's come back to the fed. Um, I think it works. I think it really sets up Brock's run, um, of the last, it's hard to believe that Lesnar has been around on a semi regular basis for six years now, but it's been six years. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, go, go watch go watch it with maybe that added perspective and just realize that Brock was never doing anything close to this good again. Maybe the triple threat match. The triple threat match was a match that also almost made it on here uh, from Royal Rumble 2015. Okay, there we go. No. Bingo, bango. Yeah, mm. bingo, bango. The classic Sam uh, catchphrase. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That was your final match. I'm not going to go through every single match that we've gone through 
on this recording. Um, do you want to do that? Otherwise, I mean, I, I, I just don't have it point, in me. But I can. Sam, you're the you're listen here, Sam. You're the captain of this ship. You tell me what you want me to just, do. I'll yeah, do it. Go through that. Go through your okay. list. So you got Carlos Colon and Abdul the Butcher versus Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen from sometimes in 1984. Uh, judging that it's an outside show, it's probably fairly hot. So I'm going to guess summertime 84. Uh, number two, Masukatsu Funaki versus Tatsuo Nakano from July 24th, 1989. We have Yoshiaki Fujiwara versus Bart Vale from March 20th, 1992. We have Atsushi Onita versus Jinichiro Tenru from May 5th, 1994. Uh, Shinya Hashimoto versus Satoshi Kojima from August. I have August 10th, 1998. Very well could be August 2nd, 1998. And I just put the air date instead of the tape date. So very possible. It's it's August, early August, 1998. Uh, Aja Kong versus Mika Satomura from September 15th, 1999. Brian Danielson versus Loki from June 7th, 2002. Junakiyama, Takeshi Morishima, and Suyoshi Kakuchi versus Kenta Kobashi, Takeshi Rikyo, and Makado Hashi from January 10th, 2004. Samoa Joe versus Necro Butcher from June 11th, 2005. And John Cena versus Brock Lesnar from April 29th, 2012. Thank you, Tanner. No um, problem. I would have tripped up all over that. Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd like to think I've gotten a little uh, better at podcasting in the last three years well i am just never gonna be great names maybe a little bit yeah the well here's the hard thing about my dog is i just have last names so like i had to instantly recall everybody's first name on this list well that's good because i do have all the first names um i just would have failed miserably so i'm glad you did all that um and i'm not i wouldn't know to correct you and that's the best part yeah, and I, who knows? I could have pronounced half those names wrong. You just know who's going to tell us. Not me. Not <laughs> me. Um, all right, that's your matches. Now we have two vignettes, one promo, uh, the dessert course. Let's kind of go through it. Um, you can't label these, so I'm going to have to kind of come up with a title for them. <laughs> yeah, you're going <laughs> to ever get to label. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's go. To I the... also believe I put these in chronological order. Could be wrong, but that's I think these a... are also in chronological order. That's such a bold move. Um, <laughs> so let's a real, a real ballsy move on my part. You feel how bold moves going on this list? I like it, I like it a lot. Uh, first one, number Uno. You want me to explain why I attacked El Generico? Why you sick? The ROH Final Battle 2010 hype video for El Generico versus Kevin Steen. Um, I dig this. It's one of my lasting memories, kind of, of ROH during this period. Yeah. Um, do you want to kind of talk about it a little bit? It's so 2010 was the year I well 2010 2011 were really the first years I started to dive into other wrestling outside of the WWE and I remember <laughs> I'm about to name drop some fairly obscure wrestling YouTubers I remember Sam I don't know if you're familiar with a Big Rat 3110 um but I, I watched his videos a lot 
He's on Twitter. And, he may be on Twitter. Well, he's he's friends, with, on. friends with Ben Turpin. Okay, well, friends with Ben Turpin. But anyways, uh, and I remember he always talked about Ring of Honor stuff. So he was the guy that kind of made me explore Ring of Honor. And I found this video one day on the Ring of Honor Wrestling YouTube and I was just immediately enthralled with it. Like, I, I don't know if it's the song choice. I don't know if it was just so much different than the WWE stuff I was watching at the time. But it was just, it was just different than what I had normally watched. And I loved it. Like, I immediately fell in love with it. I mean, you know, I mean, you probably know. I'm still a huge generico fan Sami Zayn fan i'm still a huge kevin steen kevin owens guy um it, it's just one of those things that really shaped me as a wrestling coming in to the to the new decade just because it allowed me to explore what would become two of my favorite wrestlers ever uh i still think generico is one of the best baby faces to ever work ever uh, and the fact that WWE is currently having him be a heel is just an atrociously stupid road dog esque move that I can not get behind at all, and you know stuff like that. But it, this is like I I can see the whole video in my head. I don't even have to press play on it. The song I think is perfect for it. It's if you've never seen it, go watch it. It's it's phenomenal. I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal. Yes. Uh, and right before this, people are going to hear a clip from it, so hopefully that will jog some memories. I'll try to supply a link so you can go watch it yourself um, since it is on the YouTube. Um, all right, let's move on to your number two. Vignette? Was this a promo? Yes, vignette. Um... I'm The Miz. You're crazy, man. The Miz is a character I created, and uh, he's ready for the big leagues. On YouTube, it is listed as The Miz promo at WrestleMania 27. Well, I don't know if WWE actually has an official version of it on their YouTube, but this is <laughs> the first one I've found, so I just linked it to Sam. I'm like, you get the idea. Um, I hate it, just so you know. <laughs> you hate this video? I hate yes, yes. Oh, like this specific one, or just the whole, like everything. The whole everything, I think. Ah, <laughs> oh, I I don't. This always weirdly stuck out to me more than, um, other like very hyped WrestleMania, uh, vignettes for people, just because. So if you don't know, this is the WrestleMania twenty seven. Uh, Miz is coming in to wrestle Cena as the champ. So, and it plays, uh, you know, you can hate me now, blah, blah, blah. And it really just sets the mood and it really adds this legitimacy to the Miz. I don't think he had had, um, cause I, I don't think the Miz was getting the credit for his great title reign. And I think now we can look back on it and be like, damn, those, I mean, it was just incredible what he did with the reign, but it was, it was one of those things, you know, Watching it then, it was just like a lot of people gave credit to Jerry Lawler for the TLC match and the uh, Elimination Chamber match, weirdly enough. And like, but Miz was like busting ass and like 
this is where we start to see really good singles Miz. And he and this promo, I think, was the first of or this vignette was the first of what would go on to become many promos and many vignettes later to actually legitimize him as a legit threat. Because the last because Miz and John Cena had wrestled on pay-per-view before and it was a five minute squash. Uh, So from it becoming a five minute squash at a random WWE show a couple of years ago, it's now main eventing WrestleMania 27 and the rock is, is there uh, doing his thing. So it really, uh, I, I think helped legitimize Miz to a, to an audience that always saw him second fiddle to John Morrison. So, yeah. Well, there you go. I have no and words. Then a, and then a month later, John Cena would beat him for the title and also announced that Osama bin Laden was uh, killed. So, a true pro wrestling moment indeed. <laughs> My goodness. I kind of wanted to add that just as like a bit. <laughs> the John Cena promo about Osama bin Laden being found. But I did. But I just wanted everybody to know that I could have. And you, ah, okay. Okay, Tanner. Let's move along to your third promo. Third on this list of extras. Uh, it's a promo. Um, it's the last thing we're kind of going to discuss here tonight. You you had a, you had your chance to talk. You you're the one that called me a coward in, in the wrestling ring. I'm the coward in the wrestling ring. Yeah. But let's talk about cowards for one second. The reason I wrestle the way I wrestle is because I can do it day in and day out all the time for ten plus years. I have never never in my career ever have been injured. I don't get injured for six months to a year. I am here each and every week. Uh, it is the Miz promo on Daniel Bryan. I'm talking smack from August 23rd, 2016. R.I.P. Talking smack. Tanner, give me the lowdown on this one. I mean, it was talking smack at the height of their powers. Like, this is, well, I take that back. This is probably the first legitimate, like, holy shit we saw on talking smack because we just, I mean, we didn't know what it was at this point. So, Miz, so. Brian, or Daniel Bryan essentially just is shit-talking Miz about him being a coward in the ring and stuff. And the Miz just goes off on, like, the most believable uh, shoot-esque promo that has been in WWE ever. That's why I think Talking Smack was so good. Not, I mean, not to be, like, Mimi or a bit. I think Talking Smack really added, gave opportunities to guys uh, that either didn't get enough screen time on SmackDown or let them just do something different and experimental since it was just on the network. Because I don't think anything like this would have ever been aired on WWE TV, at least not in full. They would have done like the, oh, we, you know, whatever thing. And the fact that this happened recent, like fairly recently, within the last two years, is awesome. And again, I and this is where a lot of people started getting on the, oh, The Miz is the best promo in the business. And there's a reason there's two Miz-related things on this list because I don't – I'm at the point now where I don't think anybody in WWF, WWE history has been better on the mic than the Miz. Uh, and you can at me on that one, but uh, you're not going to sway my decision. It's it's just one of those things that is just like it, – it's so um, – I don't want to use the word visceral because it sounds like I'm stealing from Sam using the word visceral, but it's weirdly visceral despite it being a promo. I it's thought just, the promo was very ferocious. 
Yeah, ferocious is also a good word um, to use. Maybe even fierce. A fierce promo. Because uh, you, you think... Because it looks like Daniel Bryan is legitimately scared and Miz looks legitimately like, I'm about to kill you if you shit talk me again. And it's one of those things... I mean, it's phenomenal. I mean, you... I'm, and not to mention the whole history of Miz and Bryan, which has been going on for almost a decade now, if you can believe it. Uh, it's... I mean, it's just... It's next level stuff. Like, and I don't even think any of it's intentional. I don't think there's anybody backstage at WWE who's like, well, we're shitting on 10 years of Ms. Daniel Bryan storyline. I just think it just kind of happens. And luckily, you have two very smart guys in the Miz and in Daniel Bryan that realize that and utilize that at every turn where they can. And I think this is, without a shadow of a doubt, the best pit stop on their road together no. so far. No. So far. Now I don't keep up with the product. I'm I'm a bad professional wrestling fan, um, but it always felt like for the majority of his time as GM, Daniel Bryan um, was fun, um, a bit cheeky, um, one would say. And during this promo, it seems like it gets away from him. Um, it becomes very, very much real. The reality era. Very real. Yep. Yes, welcome to the reality era. Welcome to the Total Divas era. Yes, Total Bellas era. Um, yes. We're, we're working breakups. We're working prior relationships from the get-go um, for the big ratings. Um, can you – You think their breakups uh, work? I think the whole thing's a work. From, you think their whole relationship was inception. a work? inception. Sam, a six-year relationship, the whole thing a work? $1,000 bills. <laughs> I ain't no stopping me now. Okay. Um, Sorry. It's John Cena. He does whatever it takes for the world wrestling entertainment. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. He <laughs> but lives also at the same in breeze. But at the same New time, you, you don't think somebody would have came out by now and been like, hey, guess what, guys? Two years ago, I fucked John Cena. <laughs> it's like, you don't think that would have happened by now? Or do you think he makes his sexual partner signed like NDAs to be like, no, you no, can't no. talk about no, my no, dick. No. So I think very much open to cheating on his wife. Um, not open to cheating on the world wrestling federation. Um, wait, who's his wife in this? His first wife, first wife. Cause him. Okay. He very, very much. Okay. With that. That's well, technically when you think about it, he cheated on his first wife with the world wrestling federation. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. When you really think about it. When, when you really, really think about it. When you get down to brass tacks. Yeah. And that's what we care about on this show. Brass, brass tacks. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you were talking about either. <laughs> we drifted. We got out, I, This one got away from me. Just like it got away from <laughs> Daniel Bryan. Um, <laughs> yeah, just like the cast feud. Just. God. I don't know anything I about mean, the cast I don't feud. even care if you're trying to defend that shit. Just stop. Like, it's a, a horrendously bad move. I love how people are like, well, they don't know if Daniel Bryan can go. Yeah, yeah. so give him to some untrained behemoth that doesn't know how to do shit. Like, that makes so much sense. God, people are idiots, Sam. People are idiots. Bold claim. Yeah, well, you know. Oh, my God, there's a spider on my wall, too. Jesus. Um, it's some scary shit. Boom! It's gone. Well, all right. There we go. That is your Desert Island comp. 
that that's what I'm gonna have to be dealing with on the island. It's spiders on walls. Spiders on on walls, on trees, whatever you need. This is what you have. You can take this. It's probably got a runtime of an hour and a half. Um if that. If that. <laughs> you'll just have to awful job. Uh lengthwise. There's not a lot of meat on this this thing, but uh, I, I may try to pack uh, Guardians too if I know I'm going to land on a, an island. I'll give you that shit tier movie. Um, well, well, hold on, we're not going to shit talk Guardians too. It's not a good movie, Tanner. A phenomenal movie, arguably maybe the best Marvel movie. Two and a half stars. Oh my god, I hate you. <laughs> um, I gave Infinity War three stars, so really. Not not a great not a great run with MCU. Uh, Infinity War is great. I uh, don't get to hear yourself. Um, you and Barry can love that film all you like. Um, it's a phenomenal film. Both... I've talked about it again at nauseum. Oh, I can listen to that podcast now. Haven't done that yet. You can. You should actually. Right now. No, because we're we're wrapping this thing up. Um, oh, okay. We... So going through this. Um, you have one WWE match, um, and then you have two Miz-related segments um, for your bonus material. Bold move. Love it. Um, a lot of Japanese wrestling. Uh, yeah, a lot. Well, the thing is, I wanted to... I didn't want to pick the same promotion twice, and if you notice, I succeeded in my mission in doing that. Uh, as far as my matches go, with the vignettes and promo, I was kind of a little bit more because I've never really been captivated by non WWE. Pro- I mean, there's been a few that have been like, "Oh, that's good," but like, because part of me really wanted to put the Matt Riddle promo in here, where the camera zooms in on the on his face and he goes, "Bro," but like, that would have been fu- that'd be funny like three times on an island, you know? Got it. Got it. Um. And you do have a trios match. Um, I do. Yeah. Not a lot of uh, not a lot of tags. No Otherwise. one one tag and one trios. The rest are one v ones. And you keep it brief a lot of the time. Nope. No 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 not a lot of girth. No, I mean a lot of. I mean, but looking at this list of wrestlers, a lot of all timers on this list. A lot of all timers, which probably makes my list somehow. Very basic. That's but, you in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm your basic wrestling fan. Who just just really loves uh I love the classics. Mid aughts pro wrestling Noah. Yeah boy, yeah. Um, absolutely love I wish somebody would pay me to do a podcast on it because I would do it. I think that, hit me up. I think this is a pretty good uh encapsulation of Tanner as a fan. Um I like that. I like that. Yeah, I, I think this sums me up pretty well. I think a lot of people will probably end up being thrown off by the only one WWE match, um, just given the amount of WWE I've watched compared to everything else. But uh, overall, I, really good. I expected I another think. pro wrestling Noah match, admittedly, but I I really want Noah is the one promotion I wanted to make an exception for because I feel like an awful person for leaving off Takayama and Kobashi from uh. 04 on this list just because god that's like the pinnacle of the sport but i've i've really wanted the variety 
uh, with the six-man tag, and I think the six-man tag offers stuff that you're not going to get from that Takayama Kobashi match, despite both matches being just phenomenal in the own, in you know their own rights. But yeah. Well, there you go. That's the that's your desert line comp. Tanner, sad to see you go, but thanks for being on. Dude, you, thanks for would, having me. Would you like to plug your Twitter, which is the only thing that we haven't really plugged? Yeah, I can plug my Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Tanner1495, and we've talked about it uh, a lot. But you can follow my podcast on Twitter at AYCH Podcast and find a lot of different podcasts for you to listen to. And you can find links to our Instagram and our Twitch on there as well. So go follow us on Twitter and uh, get, get on for the ride because uh, it's about to get nuts with E3 here in just a few weeks. Well, thank you for being on, and thank you all for listening.